So here on the Gap Year podcast, you hear my voice a lot, but we have an incredible team behind the scenes and supporting our community. And I wanted to bring Jazz on to chat a little bit about her experience and what that meant to her and what she's bringing not only to the team, but to the community of Gappers that come to Can Gap for support. So it's just such a great episode to listen to and to get to know our team a little better. Take a listen. sharing their stories, ideas, and experts diving deep into how you can make the right decisions in order to have a meaningful gap year. This is the place to be no matter where you are on your gap year journey. I'm Michelle Dittmer, your resident gap year expert. Let's jump right in. everybody. Uh, welcome to the Gap Year podcast. My name is Michelle Dittmer and I am your host and Gap Year expert. And today we are keeping it in the family. We have the amazing Jasmine Rain here. Uh, Jazz has come on as our communications and community manager here at CanGap. And I wanted to bring her on because she has such a phenomenal life story and it really resonates with the philosophy of CanGap and how she brings her lived experience to the work that we do is just so incredible. So she is here to share her story with us today. Uh, Hi there, Jazz. Welcome to the show. Well, hey, Michelle. It's an honor to be on the show since I get to listen to every episode and do all the marketing behind it. So I'm very honored to actually get to share my story with everybody today. Well, let's, let's start with that, actually. Let's start with what is your story? Where did you come from, uh, besides from heaven, to support CanGab? What is your, <laughs> what is your backstory? Where did, where did you come from? <laughs> Great question. Well, okay, so today I'm currently sitting in my kitchen that is being renovated. We, me and my husband live on a farm that we are basically renovating at the top of the mountain in Manali, which is a cute little little town in Himachal Pradesh in Northern India. So we live in the Himalayas, but going back all the way to the beginning, how it all started. Um, so I'm actually originally from Toronto. I'm a Torontonian, born and raised, totally connected to the Canadian culture. And I have a really diverse uh, family. And uh, my story really started because of my mom. Uh, my mom was a single mother uh, when I was growing up and she was heavily involved in tourism. So she was a travel agent back when like travel agents were the only way you could book your travel. So my mom, Um, had so much privilege to like go on these incredible trips and experiences and she used to get to take me with her and it was amazing so you can tell if if you didn't know already this episode is going to be a lot about travel so that is actually kind of where my love for travel started is because I would get to go to these incredible countries as a mixed race girl growing up in a very privileged space in Canada and getting to go to all these different countries even like my ancestral places like Antigua and Barbuda and all these these just beautiful islands and really get to see hands-on the difference in lifestyle Um, and that really inspired me and also troubled me as I aged. Um, when I got into high school, I started started really questioning uh, like 
you know, a conscious living and sustainability. And why do I have, why can I turn my lights on and always have electricity, but like kids in, you know, in developing countries can't, what's going on here? And from a young age, you know, I didn't really have anywhere to kind of ask these questions. Also, I'm, Michelle, I'm sure you can remember this time when like, it was all about like the big NGOs and, and nonprofits with these like really soppy stories about like, oh, you could save a life with just $1 and everything was just so emotionally like heartbreaking, like the way they would advertise how to support other people who didn't have as much privilege as we did in Canada. And that, you know, that obviously got to me a lot. So I started doing my own research. I wanted to learn more about like, well, what are these, these organizations really doing on the ground? Are they really talking their talk? What's going on here? And, um, you know, the more I dug into my research, the more I was like, oh my God, there's something seriously wrong here. Like, why is the CEO of World Vision making a million dollars every year? And we're not seeing enough impact work being done on the ground. So um, in end of high school, I actually started my own nonprofit. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was called Rain for Water. So I'm really big on puns. Ultimately, it stemmed because um, I watched this documentary uh, called Flow. And I talk about this documentary all the time. Flow by Irina Selena. Go watch it. It's amazing. It's all about the water crisis across uh, the continent of Africa, really. And looking at how these large industries like Nestle and all these bad boys were coming in and kind of making themselves look like the good guy. But in reality, they were actually destroying communities and there was absolutely no local leadership and nothing was grassroots. It was all Western, you know, colonialism and, and white privilege coming in to like save the day for these poor African children. And that was driving me insane, especially with someone with roots in Africa. I was like, hey, this doesn't make any sense. Like, how does this work? I want to like work with my people. I want to know what's going on. I want to see them lead these amazing projects. And um, so I've I started my nonprofit and I wanted to go travel. And I was like, mom, I need to go to these countries. I need to see what's going on. I need to do it firsthand. But my mom was like, Jasmine, you're 18 years old. Like you haven't done anything solo on your own. I can't like, that could be really dangerous. I'm a little worried. And of course, like she had been to some of these countries, but she's my mom. And, and I'm sure many moms and gappers that are listening to this are going to be like, oh yeah, I remember that conversation. Or, oh yeah, that was totally the conversation, how it went. And Ultimately, I was like, okay, well, what can I do first so that you, we can like build this trust between each other that you will let me go and fly um, and do all the things that I want to do? And she was like, you need to give me one year of university. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I don't want to do that. I was never a studious kid. I always tell Michelle about this. Like I was an arts kid. I went to a topical school of the arts. Like I literally lived in a leotard and was doing like handstands in the hallway and singing my heart out all the time. Hated math class, you know, like that was my lifestyle. And I wanted to kind of continue living and breathing that like freedom that I had in high school. Not that, I mean, ESA still taught me all the basics. Don't worry. Like I still graduated from high school <laughs> and I didn't fail any of my, any of my, my foundational courses. Um, but you know, it, it was really hard for me because I was like, I really wasn't enjoying learning in a classroom. I was having so much more fun doing my own thing. And so my mom was like, just do it. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And I applied last minute uh, to York University. I went for professional writing, which I always think is pretty ironic because it's what I do kind of for a living. Uh, <laughs> and I went and I just, 
I hated it. I hated everything about it. I was commuting really long distance. Like York is all the way in North Toronto. Um, it was really hard to like make friends when you were a commuting student. Um, so that was really challenging for me. Um, even with like friends from like elementary school that went there, I just still found it challenging. Um, York also was going, I don't mean to like throw it on York at this moment, but back then they were always, do, there was so much striking going on. Um, Cause this was back in 2010. Um, so like, oh my gosh, <laughs> no way to age myself already. Um, but you know, it was, it was just too much. And like teachers weren't showing up. I, I didn't have a connection with professors. I really loved that small, intimate, uh, intimate learning um, spaces. Like that's where I thought I really thrived. So yeah, I ended up going for the year. It was miserable. Um, I ended up dropping out uh, at the end of first year. And I told my mom, I'm like, I gave you the one year and I don't want to go back. And she was like, okay, you gave me the year. So you've proven that you can commit and that you are, you know, you can be independent and do what you got to do. Um, so, you know, go for it. And uh, that summer, I actually took the opportunity and was like, you know what, I'm going to go to Kentucky. <laughs> so I did like a smaller trip first to kind of dip my toes in the water. And it was a group travel experience. Um, Kentucky actually runs in my family. My mom did Kentucky when she was my age. Um, like, like literally like two years probably before she got pregnant with me, she was on a Kentucky. <laughs> I did Kentucky twice in my lifetime. And uh, it was great because it allowed me to, you know, group travel is so great for you know, getting connected with like-minded people, because that's usually what happens. You're always going to find someone that is like-minded. Like if you're all going to Italy, you have something, to, you have something in common right away. Um, so that was really, really powerful. And uh, that kind of helped me solidify, okay, well, like, okay, if I'm going to like go, go abroad and I'm going to do this solo, where do I want to start? You know, what skills do I need to obtain? What is that going to look like? So I came home and I thought about it after having some fun in Europe, of course, backpacking, that's always fun. And I decided to actually head to George Brown College and I specialized in special event planning. And I did that for two years, I did a two year diploma. And which is beautiful because Michelle and I are always doing events. So it was, <laughs> these are, the thing is, it's like, it's so funny how you can end up in things that you didn't think you would do. And then later in your life, you realize just how much you use those skills and it's incredible. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and during that time, I really learned a lot more about like sponsorship and fundraising and how to actually run a nonprofit. Like if I'm going to do this, how, like I need to learn all those skills. Um, and after I actually skipped graduation and I decided to head to Ghana. Um, so that is where my kind of grassroots um, educational, like experiential education journey started. Um, I feel like I'm talking a lot. Do you want me to pause? <laughs> I feel no. like there's so many pieces. <laughs> no, keep going. Keep telling your story. All right. Awesome. So in Ghana, um, I was actually so fortunate. My best friend, Charlotte, who I grew up with, she was studying at the University of Accra for like a year abroad. Um, and I got to stay with her and really get to kind of, you know, get to see the kind of student experience. And we traveled actually across the entire country. And we went to different little villages and communities and learned about what was actually happening on the ground. And I remember the most shocking story I was told was this village um, 
oh my gosh, I can't even remember where it was. I, like, I, I, when I'm not as nervous and like hyped up about talking, I will come back and share the, <laughs> the name <laughs> of the village. But the story was that a, you know, a community of like volunteers came in and they brought this like rural, this rural community, a well, they built them a well because they thought like, oh, well, your well is so far away. You're walking like five kilometers every day to go to this well. So we're going to drop in the middle of your village and make your lives so much easier. That's not what they wanted. And no one talked to the community about what their real needs were. You know, the women of the village actually, um, it, it, this is such a cute story. The women of the village absolutely loved going five kilometers every day to the well because it was their only opportunity to just be women and be away from the men and have this sacred like female space. And no one asked them, no one was even started a conversation with them to even understand what was happening in the community. What were the dynamics? Where did they need support? And they would have learned right away that that was a huge social development piece for young girls in the village. Like imagine finally having a safe space to talk to your parents about menstruation or, you know, growing up as a, as a young female in, in a rural community. So that was something that they really, really valued that was taken away from them um, when they could have had support with other pieces like, you know, agricultural needs that were, you know, needed at the time. And, but again, no conversation. And we see this time and time again. Uh, one of the biggest examples of this is play pump. I don't know if you know that story, play pumps are you familiar yeah. with that one? Oh man well I'll drop a link to the case study in uh, the show notes because it's it's awesome to just look at how badly <laughs> the western mindset of like giving to Africa has like just driven this horrible nightmare of, of different like development issues on its own. But um, that journey was was so fascinating. I learned so much. I was supposed to head up even north into Burkina Faso, which is a country just north, um, which I thought would be cool to also help with my French development. Uh, but I uh, got very sick on the way there. Um, you know, there's no travel story without a poop story. <laughs> so, yeah. Very comfortable with that. <laughs> like and you know what and it's kind of it's like your rite of passage <laughs> you know you gotta have some stomach flu something and you learn so much from that experience about how to be safe with food and beverage and communicate your needs um so yeah that was an interesting experience but after that I I headed home and, and I kind of solidified it for me that like this is the space I want to work in and I, I love it and um you know flash forward the next couple of years because this was like I'm only in 2013 here, ended up going to India at some point with an organization um, just for like a month, kind of like as a, like a, just a, a trip away during a, a job that I wasn't totally enjoying. And that trip uh, was so incredible because I was dropped in a, again, another like NGO setting where it was like very much around bringing in dollars from the West and not really giving value to kids in the East. And that was heartbreaking. And seeing kind of the, the missing holes in the organization when I was there led me to kind of build a passion for, for strategic planning. Um, and I worked with them on some strategic planning, hoping that they would implement it. They did not, but it's inspired me so much to come back because I, I don't know what it is about India. I don't know, Michelle, what do you think? What, what connects you to India? I'd love to hear your like few things that when you think of India, what do you think of? Uh, the 
the people in India are so incredibly kind and just like so just so kind like that that is the best word I can use to describe it from my travels there um and well the food that's that's obviously my <laughs> my life revolves around it but like the food is so awesome um and and i think i think just the happiness um that that just resonates like it, it i don't know it just grows from the ground up and it just exists um in the animals and the people and um and just uh, just real joy 100%. And I think that's kind of like the biggest thing I maybe took away from India right away was like perspective and growing this like beautiful new appreciation for family because everyone in India will go like doesn't matter what is happening they will drop anything for the family especially kids in the family and like you know like <laughs> I used to always get so upset because I'd be like why are kids always taking vacation for weddings but it's like that is because it's the time when the whole family comes together and you don't always get that opportunity and it's so so special and I think we really take that for granted in Canada like like ah like I'll just see my mom next weekend or like ah I'm too tired like I'll do this later and you know, that really instilled this new perspective around just like community and the value of community. Um, and that kind of leads even further into my journey. But uh, then I, I basically decided at in 2014, 15, I would uh, come to India as an intern. So start my journey all over again, forget all the school I learned, forget all the things that I did. I was starting from scratch as an intern for an organization um, focusing on waste management um, and water sanitation, because that's kind of where my journey started as well. And uh, I was here for about two years working on incredible projects. And I would say I probably spent a good eight months of those two years, like doing just community development, like just having conversations, getting to know people in the community. Um, so I was dropped in a little village called Gajnir, which is like uh, about 30 kilometers outside of a city called Bikanir, which I'll get to in a second about why that's such a special place for me. And in that time, I learned, started to learn the language. I built beautiful relationships with people of all ages. I, you know, there was definitely great experience. There was bad experiences. There were ugly experiences, but like it was all wrapped up in this beautiful bow because I learned so much from that. And I think patience is probably the second thing that I learned <laughs> from that and being able to go with the flow. Something goes, nothing ever goes to plan, just so you know. Um, and like, we're going to dive into that about your gap year when we chat one-on-one -on -one, one day, uh, everyone listening, because like no matter how much you plan, there's always going to be things that go astray. And that is the beauty of this experience is being able to adjust and adapt and find opportunities, find opportunity in things that might seem a little pessimistic or like frustrating or negative, but there's always something to learn from that. Um, but that experience is basically who I've become today. It ended up going back to Canada um, after the two years due to some health issues. But in that time, I became one of the youngest executive directors in Canada, which was really crazy. I ran an organization called Studio 89 in Mississauga. So if you're in the Mississauga area, they're now at Aaron Mills uh, Town Center. If you want to go and have a nice social justice, zero waste, fair trade coffee. <laughs> Running that organization, and I'll be honest, I was terrified. I did not think I had the experience. I remember being so nervous. Like I was working at like a retail company when I applied there. And when I got back, when they got back to me, I was like, Oh my gosh. And it was really just me being able to describe my experiences and the way that I went about community development or the way that I would approach projects in sustainable in a sustainable way that really kind of 
made my resume stand out. And trust me, the people I was competing against for that role were like had master's degrees, were like, you know, their resume looked like like it was glowing, like they looked so perfect and beautiful and mine felt so incomplete and cracked and all over the place. And I was in this country and then this country, I was doing this job, then this job, but that was the beauty for the, for, for my employers. Like they were like, heck yes. Like this girl has got so much diverse experience. She knows what it's like to be on the ground working on projects. She's done a little bit of the theory. She's done independent research on her own to learn more. And, um, you know, that is actually what got me the job is that they believed in my potential because I was able to communicate all of these experiences that I had in a way that made sense to the role and, and, and proved how passionate and excited I was. And trust me, nine out of 10 times an employer will most likely hire you because of the potential and the excitement. Because you can, anyone can learn a new skill, but you can't teach someone to be excited and passionate about something. You can't. Um, Michelle, Michelle and I know that very well, especially like, you know, and, and that's what's so beautiful about working with gap year students is because like we get to help you nurture that passion because that passion does turn into all of those amazing skills in the future. So anyways, I'm getting excited. But I headed back to India actually after because I wanted to do something similar with the model um, that I was working with, which was this social enterprise cafe, and bring it to India. So I called up my my friend Manoj, and one day I was like outside the cafe, and I was like, Manoj, I have this great idea. You are like so passionate about hospitality, and you've always wanted to like run your own property. And I obviously love traveling, and I want to be able to give people an experience that's sustainable and zero waste or low waste, and and can give back to some of the amazing young people that we've been working with in Gajneer and support them in their projects because my goodness, like, and I, and like, I, like no credit to me whatsoever. I just told people that they could do it, that they could make things happen. And they did it like 13 year old girls making reusable menstrual pads and selling them door to door to, as an entrepreneurial venture, or, you know, young people implementing a waste management system and actually spreading awareness about why, you know, we shouldn't use plastic cups and why we should switch to reusables. Um, so it was just incredible. And we were like, how can we continue to support these amazing young people? And that is what led us to building Hutta House. So in 2018, I left literally everything. <laughs> and me and Manoj started a little guest house called Hutta House in Bikanir, which was the main city. And it was a social enterprise model where 20% of our profits would go back into supporting youth. So whether that was through um, training and jobs um, or supporting you know, financially with their projects. And we were quite popular. Um, unfortunately, the pandemic really hit us really hard, of course, as it did for most hospitality and tourism organizations. But we ran for about two years. We had multiple spaces at the end of the two years. We had young people between the ages of like 16 to 25 working with us across the country, doing tours or running the guest house or running our cafe space. And it was absolutely amazing. Um, so I'm sure you can imagine when the pandemic hit, it was so so heartbreaking to watch all that hard work just go and I sat for days like I should say days months <laughs> like thinking like I failed like I failed I couldn't get the project to last a pandemic like what's wrong with me what have I done wrong like why do I deserve this what's going on and it took me about until uh like summer 2021 so just before I met you Michelle where I was like you know what 
this is probably the best thing that ever could have happened to me because we didn't fail because we sucked, <laughs> you know? We didn't fail because we didn't put passion and hard work behind it. We failed because things happen and we have to readjust our expectations. So um, last year we actually ended up like reinventing the organization and now it's become this beautiful experiential learning platform, um, which is I think what me and Michelle connected on so much when we first met because we were just like, yes, the power of experiential learning. And we do a lot of work um, in supporting actually young people with um, helping them get their social enterprises and ventures up and running or what does it mean to be, you know, a good ethical leader? Like what are the things that you need to think about? Um, we do a lot of mindfulness um, programming as well because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of anything else. It's like quote of the year. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's been absolutely wonderful. So that is what I do here in India. And that is why I now live on top of a mountain because um, this is the area that we chose to kind of expand operations, um, especially because we do a lot of really great um, forestry activities here with the forest department as well, where we're doing tree plantations to help um, businesses offset. Honestly, there's so many things going on. It's amazing. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Um, but all of this, again, like none of that would have happened if that journey didn't start from my mom being like, go to university, you know? So, and it, sometimes it can feel like one decision can be this like detrimental thing to our life. And it's like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is horrible. Like this is not what I expected and this is not what I wanted. And, but it ended up being kind of the starting ground of my journey because I was able to really clearly identify what I did not want, gave myself time to think about what do I really want? And then go and explore it. And having that open conversation with my mom was was so powerful. Um, she's she's the bomb. I'm like not mad at her for sending me to university. It's okay. Um, but like that, be, being able to just have that relationship as I was going through this process and supporting me and making sure that I had what I needed. You know, obviously my mom had to fund some of my travels, of course. <laughs> so I'm very very grateful to her. I know a lot of gappers really struggle with decision, but you know. Even if, you know, you don't, you don't have to commit to something that you don't like. Like if you do one year at your university because your parents told you to, and you're like, you know what, mom, dad, this is awful. I'm going to do my own thing. That is okay. And they will understand as long as that you are clear on what you want, because uh, that's all like, it's your life. You know, <laughs> it's your life. You're the one leading it. You got to make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing and you're, and you're, and you're taking the steps to find your, your own path. But uh, anyways. I'll, I'll pause there because I've been talking for like 20 minutes straight. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think there's so many things that, that can be taken away from your story. Um, and I just want to pull out a couple of those like kind of like underlying themes that I think make your story so exciting and relatable and aspirational, but also really realistic. Um, I think there's that that element of nonlinear, like like you said, like you you went off in all different directions and you followed opportunities and you followed your interests and you were able to not only take on projects or or fall into other systems but you were also able to create your own. Um, and everything came in a stepwise manner. You didn't leave high school and start your own NGO in India. There were so many things along the way that helped you grow and learn to be able to get to a point where you were having that happen for you. And you, you used formal education and you used travel and you used experience in the workforce and all of these things, you pulled skills and experience and a network and connections and you built 
a backpack of resources that you can apply to your daily life um, and can allow you to live a fulfilling life where you are happy, healthy, and successful to your own terms. And um, for all the parents out there, Jazz didn't go off the rails and up in her mom's basement and stay there forever and ever, which is a lot of parents' fears. Um, and for young people, you can carve your own path. We often hear a very um, strong story that you, you do high school, you do university, you find a job, you get married, you have kids, you get a house. Like there's, there's this kind of assumed structure and really you can shake that up. That's not the gold standard. That is one pathway. Uh, but no matter where you go and what you do, as long as you are evolving as a human being and you are moving <laughs> forward, um, then, then life can be brilliant. Life can be exciting. Um, and you can pick and choose how you develop yourself. And, and jazz is a great, great example of that. And I think a gap year is the great first introduction to that about doing something a little bit less traditional, um, giving yourself some space and time for a lot of that self-discovery you talked about, Jazz, that ability to learn about what makes you motivated, what excites you, how you want to contribute to the world. And, and this window of a gap year can be such a powerful tool for young people to know themselves, learn about the world, see what opportunities are out there for them, and then put that into practice for their desired future, whatever that is, whether that's more school, whether that's starting their own enterprise, whatever that is but that that time and space to really um to figure things out is such a valuable piece and I think you you've shared that so brilliantly through your life story thank you thank you Michelle yeah and I think something that is so important that we note here is that like yeah it's scary it's scary but the thing is is like if you constantly stay in a zone of comfort, what are you really learning? There's always that diagram. You know that diagram that's like, this is zone of comfort and this is where you learn. Um, and outside of your comfort zone, like that is where the experience starts. That is where life starts. And I think you're going to be scared even if you go into, no matter what path you choose, like once you graduate high school, it's like the world is your oyster. And there's people who have so many opinions and everyone's telling you kind of what they think you could do or what you should do. And it's scary, like the paradox of choice. And then on top of that, when you choose something, you're like, oh my gosh, did I choose the right thing? Am I going to have the space to explore? And that's, and again, that's why I always think like, if, if you are in a space of uncertainty, a gap year is such a great opportunity to get clear. And, you know, you don't have to get clear on what you're doing in 10 years from now. You can just get clear on what you're doing in the next couple months. Like, remember that just, and, and I think you saying this because I'm just, I'm, like blown away by how resilient Gen Z is. Like y'all have gone to school in a pandemic. You've survived that. You've gone through it. You've probably gotten sick through it. You had to adjust everything. You, you know, you lose out on the, on, on con the connections and the opportunities of high school. Like my heart bleeds for you knowing that you've lost so many of those experiences. And it's okay to take a break from that. Like I, I can't even imagine going through so much trauma uh, and then trying to just continue on like, okay, well, nothing happened. Like I'm going to just go off to university and do exactly what I set out for myself 10 years ago when someone told me that, you know, go to college. Right. So 
I think it's really important that you that you take time to tune in for yourself. It doesn't have to be a full year either. It could be a semester. There's so much possibility around, you know, taking time off, going back into formal education, alternative forms of education that will still support you in your career development and designing kind of what your purposeful, beautiful life will look like. And uh, and I always say like my mom became a police officer at 45 years old. 45 years old. Do you know any police officer who became a police officer at 45? It's your life will take you in so many directions and it's meant to be, it is fate. You have to trust it and, and trust the decisions that you're making when they feel right in your gut. Um, there's a little blurb in our post-secondary decision guide that I love that Michelle wrote about really like trusting in your gut because sometimes, sometimes it's really hard to make a decision between two things. So what does it feel like kind of inside of you? Do you get those butterflies? Do you get like what, whatever it feels right for you, you have to make the choice. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's, a. by the way, I'll drop the link for that in the, in the, the show notes. I'm such a can gap promo girl now, um, just so that you can feel supported in that decision-making process, because uh, we've seen that especially a, a lot this year is that it's terrifying to just, to, to actually make that decision and go with the flow. Uh, but once you've done it, you're not worrying about the other option. <laughs> you're doing it. You're doing life. And that's going to take you to the next step, the next road, road that you need to you kind of choose left or right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I'm bl blabbing along. Let me uh, hand it back. To, let me hand the mic back to Michelle. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> well, I think this conversation has given our listeners and our viewers an insight into our team and why we're so passionate about the work that we do um, and how many resources we have to support people and that that this step is and can be a very, very great tool for young people to take that gap year. Um, and we are here as a team to support you on your journey, no matter where you're at. We have resources and tools and um, year-long supports that are out there for you. So please book a call with Jazz or myself, ha have a conversation about how we can support your family. That's what we're here for. Um, and we believe so strongly in the power of each and every one of you to achieve your full um, desired future. And, and sometimes that means pushing pause and that means taking the time. And uh, if that's scary and overwhelming, come chat with us. That's what we're here for. That's why CanGap exists. And Jazz, I just wanted to thank you so much for sharing your journey, sharing your story with all of our listeners. And I'm sure uh, folks will love to have some further chats with you. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the space. I, I appreciate it. I'm honored. <laughs>